Hi, and welcome to episode 18 of The Sauce Podcast. We have another guest this week, and we are thrilled for Danielle Paratori to join us here on The Sauce. Danielle, a Harvard Business School grad of receiving her MBA, is going to give us the whole scoop of behind the scenes of the number one business school in the world. What's it like to apply? Why did you choose to go there? What are the classes like? What are the stress levels like? And overall, was it worth and is it worth and should we get an MBA? Tune in this week to learn all about it and hear from Danielle. Remember to always be bold and thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome to the Sauce Podcast, where you will meet your hosts, Molly McKinstry and me, Liz Hajar. We are two colleagues turned friends who have worked together at the same company for nearly 10 years. Molly and I were born three weeks apart on opposite coasts of the U.S. And while we are nearly the same age, today our personal lives are quite different. And while we share the same job title at work, our paths to getting there have been quite different. Join us each week on the Sauce Podcast where we will share tips, tricks, and lessons we've learned together over the last 10 years. We both say it's our shared values of hard work to always do our best with a little bit of zaw that has led us to both our friendship and professional success. We hope you tune in each week, enjoy, and have a little bit of fun with us along the way. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Maul. So good to hear your voice. I'm so excited for today. We have a wonderful guest, another guest to share with the saucers. So just a quick little background. Many times Liz and I have throughout our career been asked whether we have MBAs, which neither of us do. And if we think our employees or our colleagues should pursue MBAs themselves. And, you know, I think just often in our field today, people want to bolster their resume as much as possible, you know, bring as much to the table as they can. And so this question of, should I get an MBA is one we're hearing more and more of. So we are really thrilled because we actually invited one of our former colleagues at Glassdoor, Danielle Paratori, to give her perspective. Yes, I'm thrilled to have Danielle, and she's always so fun and brings the energy, even at 7 a.m. her time. So a little bit for our audience to know about Danielle. She, like our very own Molly, is a Jersey native. She's the oldest of three, and while she might be a little bit smaller in stature, her tenacity is hands down larger than life. You're going to hear it. Danielle started her career in consulting. She then moved to LinkedIn, then Glassdoor, and she most recently is head of global insights and renewals at Asana. Danielle received an MBA, and she received it from Harvard Business School, often referred to as HBS. Today, on this episode, she's going to walk all of us through why she decided to go and get an MBA, what the application process was like, what classes were like, and of course, she will answer the million-dollar question, in her opinion, is an MBA truly necessary? We love having guests. Danielle, thank you so much. She is truly having a baby the day that this episode launches. She is probably giving birth. So congratulations, Danielle, and thank you so much for joining us. Saucers, we hope you enjoy. Oh, I don't- Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Danielle. Hello. Hi, Molly. So, 
So good to be with you all. Well, we're so excited to have this time with Danielle. We used to all work together at Glassdoor for a number of years, and we know that so many of our listeners have wondered about their own career journeys and if getting an MBA should be part of that. And so, Danielle, we thought, who better than you to take our audience through that decision for you and what that journey looked like? So if you're game, I think we're going to get into this here. I am totally game. So excited to be here. I love it, Danielle. And we've had a lot of listeners, even ourselves, ask, you know, in the business world, as we graduate from college, like, do we want to get an MBA? And we know we heard a wonderful bio about you earlier, um, all of our listeners. So they have a little background on you, but you went to Brown for undergrad and then you went to Harvard, the infamous HBS, one of the top business schools, if not the top business school in the world for your um, MBA. And so we'd love to kind of talk us through the journey. Like, how did you decide that you did want to go to grad school? And then from there, how did you know it was going to be Harvard or probably a top school? Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to get into it. Yeah. So if I take a step back and think about my journey through my career in grad school, when I was, when I started out of college working in my first job, I was grinding. I think a lot of us Mm. can probably relate to that. Just kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, clicking the buttons, getting through the day. Um, And I did that for about four years before I kind of realized I was like, I have no idea what I want to do and and not even what I want to do, but like, why am I doing what am I doing? What is my intention behind what I'm doing? Um, And I started to think that way. And I looked around me and a lot of the, the best leaders that I saw had MBAs. And it seemed like a great opportunity to figure out like, what's the secret sauce that they maybe got in business school? or other forms of grad school for some of them. Um, And also it was a great opportunity to take like a two-year pause and think about what what are my intentions with my career? Um, Who do I want to be? What do I want to focus on? And so that was what led me to kick it off. Love that. So you did go back-to-back undergrad and then grad school. So bachelor's to this master's degree. You took a few years. And during that corporate time, you said, you know what? I feel like I need to maybe help get me, either give me a little bit more direction or kind of figure out what I want. I think an MBA from people around you, you kind of felt like MBA may be the path. Yeah. And we can talk about, um, you know, the path in between, like whether you go right from undergrad, I will say that that is very uncommon to go right from undergrad Uh, to your MBA, almost as if like, I, I don't think I know anyone who's done it. Um, there's the MBA is a really like unique degree in that way where you benefit from having some real world experience. Um, and we can talk more about that later. That's of interest. I think that's a very, very big question. And we can get to that because I think, Danielle, we should definitely talk about that because I think many people graduate college and sometimes it's don't have, don't have direction or don't know, like don't have direction. And so they say MBA or think that that's what they have to kind of do if they want to be in a certain type of career. So I think that's something great. Let's talk about that. But tell us then, so you've made this decision. How did you maybe give us quick high level? What was application like to Harvard? You know, there's, I feel like there's a lot of stigma and status around Harvard. Was that heavy? What made you decide Harvard? Did you apply anywhere else? And then what was that application process like? 
Yeah. So I applied to Harvard and Stanford. So the way that um, business, business school applications work is there's typically three rounds of applications. Mm-hmm. Some of them are rolling, meaning you can kind of apply at any point during the year. But for most schools, I believe my data might be a little old here. I might be <laughs> dating myself. Um, but there's well, round one happens in September. And then you have a second round where you can apply in, I believe it's January or February and the third mm-hmm. round in like April or May. And so I applied in the first round and I was like, I'm just going to apply to the two best schools that are in the world, the, oh, girl. You know, the ones that I know of in the world yeah, um, and see what happens. Um, and I would say that business school, kind of unlike other types of even grad schools, but definitely unlike undergrad, you really do want to go to the best school that you get into cool. because of the payoff. It's just a really expensive degree, mm. like literally what you are paying to get the degree. Yeah. Um, and so you want to think about going to the best possible school you can to ensure that you actually kind of recoup that investment. Mm. Um, so that That's was great. why I applied to those schools in the beginning. And then I I got into Harvard and I was, you know, I also come from um, a tiger mom who was never going to let me get in and not go. Um, So thank you, you mom. Thank you, mom. Oh yeah. She was, she was not messing around. (laughs) She heard Harvard. You're from New Jersey as well. Like mall. And I feel like, I mean, Harvard is, I mean, that is incredible, Danielle, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And you, one other quick thing that you touched on was, did you also make the conscious decision that you weren't going to do, I know there's different like executive MBAs, there's um, part-time MBAs and there's full-time MBAs. When you made this choice that I'm going to apply to grad school, did you also consciously make the choice? I will be taking a two-year break. I definitely did. I mean, that was so much of my rationale because I felt like I had just been kind of, you know, grinding it out blindly in these jobs where I just didn't really know what I was doing. Not, not, let's not say what I was doing in terms of, I, I think I did okay yes. in those yes. jobs, yes. <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, why I was there and why I was investing in this. So I wanted that break, but I will give, um, I would say that in terms of like the different types of programs for, for it's kind of based on age. So if you are, uh, let's say somewhere between two and six years out of undergrad, you're most likely going to go to a full-time program. Um, the rationale being that after you graduate from business school, everyone kind of gets reset at the same level. Like I could have had two years experience or four years or six years, um, but I'm a newly minted MBA when I go out into the job market. Mm. Um, and so the program is designed essentially for people in kind of this age range. If you're a little bit older is when you might consider the part-time. And to be clear, like some people are definitely younger when they consider the part-time and, you know, especially financially, if you're, um, you know, in a position where it's just, you really can't leave your job for a couple of years. Um, But you'll tend to find that the the part-time MBA would skew a little older. And then like people, families who don't want to uproot their whole lives and move somewhere and, you know, live in a dorm. Yep. Yep. Um, an executive MBA is about experience. You can't really get into those unless you are someone who, you know, probably looks like the three of us on this call. Um, you know, it has meaningful experience and is looking to looking to engage at an executive level. That's a great breakdown. Final question, just kind of about the whole decision and that process. What is the application process like for Stanford and Harvard? Like, is there an interview yeah. involved? Does it help if you had a family member that went there? Like, that stuff. So I'm curious what the, is it huge essays? What, what happens to apply? 
Well, the family member question is the, that is the like, you know, million dollar loaded question that you're going to have to call yeah. HBS and ask. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I can know, tell you like, should we get looking into that around. Sauce? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would tell you looking around at my classmates, I bet it does help. Okay. I didn't have okay. anyone in my world. We have no facts. like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I'll leave that one there. Um, But the application process is, so the really big thing in your application, there's two big parts of the application process. One is your essays um, and the other one uh, is recommendations. Mm. And so, and there's this whole thing about like, what is your story? And it's super Uh. important that you're telling this like, clear and consistent story of who you are, why you want to go to, why you want to get an MBA, why wow. that particular school um, is going to, you know, add to your kind of overall career and your path and, and all of that. Um, and you want that to be consistent actually across your essays and your recommendations. So this whole narrative thing going okay. on, um, which is super important. And the one piece of advice I would give is I would say that Rec- your essays, making sure you're really spending time in your essays and the story in them and who you are and why the MBA fits in is incredibly important. But for your recommendations, getting recommendations from someone who is a, a balance of knows you well and senior enough to kind of write that mm-hmm. recommendation um, uh, and potentially has gone to the school that you are applying to ah. is super important. Mm. So I recently wrote a recommendation for someone applying to HBS and I'm able to say, Hey, this is why I think this person is a really good fit for HBS. So that has holds a lot of value. Interesting. Okay. Love that, Danielle. Thank you for kind of walking us through the decision process and then the action of applying and, um, Awesome. Yeah. So, so interesting. And I mean, again, I think we've already said incredible. And so just congrats to you for that achievement and getting into HBS and taking that kind of step in the journey. Yes. Thank you. So what was it like once you arrived? I mean, it, it sounds like even just the process of deciding where to apply and then getting in is of course, um, a laborious one, but then you started. And what was that like relative yeah. to what you expected? It was intense. Um, yeah. So mm. I have heard anecdotally, this is also controversial, um, that HBS is a little bit more academically intense only in the first year than oh. some other schools. Uh. Whether this is true or not is very much up for debate. Don't tell anyone from Stanford or Wharton I said this. But <laughs> we will not. I we will tell not. you that that was, yes, <laughs> don't. Yeah. But I can tell you that's how I felt. Um, and so it was the, and and I would say in business school too, there's a big difference between your first year and your second year. The first year, almost like across most schools is going to be a more like academically rigorous, like here are the things that they want you to learn versus the second year is a bit more exploratory about the things that you want to learn and you want to get from business school. Um, and at HBS and HBS is method, the case study method. So every, Uh And I mean, it's actually funny, I guess they, they've, they've tried to get more into like what they're calling like real world education in the last couple of years. So the mix is shifting, but traditionally 
at HBS, every class is about a different case study. So even if you're you're in an accounting class or a finance class, like the night before, you're going to read a case study, which is like putting you in the shoes of a major decision maker, usually a CEO at a company who has a decision to make. Um, and then you know you read through that, and there's like some questions at the end around what to think about, and then you get into the classroom and you have this discussion across mm. at HBS. It's about 90 people so it's, it's it's pretty big and intimidating yeah. yeah raising your hand is pretty scary in that in that room especially in the beginning and you get graded on it so wow <laughs> that uh, is yeah. so fascinating so year one or base is that basically the entire first year class going to the same courses together and you're staying together on that curriculum year one and then year two is where it sounds like you get a little bit more kind of personalized? More or less, yes. And so most, well, let me uh, let me not speak for everyone, but I think the business schools that I am super familiar with, they break the first year class into what different schools call, like Harvard calls them sections, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sloan at MIT calls them oceans. And it's a group of people, depending on the size of the school, somewhere between like, let's call it 50 and 100 people that you take all of your first year classes with. And Actually, I think at Sloan, it's only the first semester. Wharton may only be the first semester, too. But you would travel with this same group of people through a standard curriculum. Um, And the idea is that you're kind of starting everybody off on the same foot. So you'll have finance and accounting and um, uh, leadership, like kind of the basics of the MBA, because you have people who have really varied backgrounds. Mm. Um, and I can tell you that the, you know, the the classmates that came from investment banking and private equity are basically just holding the rest of our hands through you know, a <laughs> oh, finance really? class, for example. Oh, oh. absolutely. Like you okay. need to figure out who your ex-investment banker buddy is. <laughs> oh. That's how you survive finance in your first year. Oh my gosh, that's uh, so yes. interesting. I love that. And yeah, I think that was going to be another question that came to mind for me is what, who else was attending with you and what was kind of the makeup of the student body? So it sounds like some former, um, investment bankers, that would be one pocket of, of folks. If you could think of any other just groups, anything jump out to you. Yeah, those are, that's the most classic group. So we can acknowledge, yes, they're there, but there's a lot of people who don't look like that. Um, I I can give the example of, so at Harvard, what they try to do is they actively, in terms of putting together your section, they want it to be like a cross section of Mm -hmm. the entire class. So like as diverse as the entire class, and they mix up your seating a couple of different times so that Mm -hmm. you meet new people. When I started, um, I remember I was sitting a few seats down um, from a woman who was actually the very first woman officer on a U.S. Navy submarine. Wow. Which I didn't know that. Apparently, historically, submarines were like, all dudes. And then this woman showed up and crushed yes. it. Wow. Oh yeah. She's, she's like a pretty cool character. And then on the other side of me, a couple seats down was another woman who had come from working in the, um, the, the music recording industry in LA. And now is actually like a really successful singer. Uh, I don't even know if she, I would say she's a singer songwriter. She's like a 
phenomenon um, wow. in, Can we in share LA. Names, oh, I, I mean, I'm happy to. Her name is Karen Gandhi. She performs under Madame Gandhi. Um, oh. and, I mean, if you look her up, she is crushing it. Um, wow. and she just had a song in a major hit TV show. I'm trying to remember. Um, but she's like a very, very cool chick. And she went to business school because you can imagine that, you know, my colleagues, the, the my, my colleagues, oh my gosh, my classmates. Same, that feels like a Freudian slip. slip. Like you actually yes. become friends with these people, I promise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the one, the people who came from military backgrounds, they're mm. saying, oh, I learned a lot about leadership and now I want to learn how to apply it to the business world. Oh. Kieran was saying, I've, you know, I'm an incredible performer. She actually was drumming with MIA, the artist. While we were in business school, she'd like fly to Iceland for a night to drum and then, you know, come back for classes. Um, She was actually trying to learn the leadership skills to apply them to her music career um, so that she could, you know, become the phenom that she is. So anyway, really broad cross section and interesting cross section of people. But there are investment bankers there, too. Not to say they're not interesting. A lot of them are awesome. So, so interesting. Awesome. I love it. And I love the military kind of cohort you're referencing. And then these folks who sound like go into entertainment and hits in LA songwriters, singers. I love it. So, so fascinating. Maybe just wrapping up the verbatim grad school experience, Danielle, would you say there was anything that either really surprised you from the experience that you don't think were part of the original just expectations you had? That is a great question. I would say, I think I was pretty well prepared because I was coming from, you know, before business school, I had worked in consulting and then I had worked mm. at LinkedIn and tech. So I, and, and part of the, my decision criteria in going to business school was I had known all these really impressive people who went to business school. Right. Um, and I was like, I want to be like you. So right, I right. think I had a, a pretty good sense of what to expect. Um, but if I try to think about something that um, surprised me, I do think that part of what surprised I, 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 you know, Molly, I'm struggling on this one a little bit. But I think part of what surprised me was perhaps how rigorous the coursework was mm. in the first year, um, and so that. It was, it was, it was both a good and bad thing in that, you know, I felt like I came out of it having a little more understanding of accounting than I kind of expected to. Yeah. Um, Not that I really do have an understanding of accounting for what it's worth. Please don't ask me about debits and credits. I don't really know. (laughs) Uh, When in one and out the other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's okay. Yeah, exactly. in your line of work, Danielle, exactly. you shine in other things. Oh, thank you, Liz. Thanks, I yes. appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I think there was there was a bit more of like a, I, I I think that business school gets a bit of a reputation in the market as like this place where people go to party and fly around the world and make friends, and some of that is true. Um, and definitely for different people can be true, um, but it was more rigorous than I thought. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it's just funny again, cause I think back to just your, your sharing of the application process and that experience and your feedback, which makes a ton of sense is, you know, try to go to the very best school you can, because that is going to pay dividends for, you know, your future opportunities. But yeah, I bet you there was just this moment of, okay, wow, I got into Harvard business school. That's awesome. And also I 
I'm going to have coursework and curriculum that of Harvard Business School. That is going to be incredibly rigorous and challenging. So yeah, that's, um, thanks for just reflecting on that with us. And from here, do you want to, yeah, go ahead, Liz. One last thing on that mall before we move on is what about exactly what Molly was saying? You are in Harvard and you kind of said that first day you walk in and 90 people and raising your hand was a bit scary. Nowadays, and I think there's a lot more around mental health and around, you know, like some things are tough and some things are scary and it's okay to have that conversation. But going, walking in on day one to Harvard and then even two years, two years of getting this MBA, what was the pressure like? And I'm curious what the dropout rate is like as well, because you are at the top school and just if you can speak to, you know, your cohort kind of about that. Oh, it's petrifying. And I think, yeah, like absolutely petrifying. And you Mm -hmm. both know me. I'm not like a wilting, (laughs) what is the word? Like a wilting flower. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not meek, Danielle. You're not meek. Yeah. No, and I say for for everyone listening, I am under five feet tall and not afraid to usually, you know, sit at the front of the of the room and kind of pound the table. Um, which is something frankly I I have I have I have been taught to do in different work Mm. settings, but maybe partially I draw on a little from business school. I think so it was Day one, I mean, I I don't know that I've ever been so scared in my life, maybe week one or month one. There's a lot of pressure Um, around it, I feel. And like, again, people put their own pressure on themselves and society puts pressure on us too, how we respond to it, whatever. But I do think no matter what, I I think that that's like, that is a very real thing. I think I would feel the exact same way, you know? It's very real. And in recent years, and by recent years, I mean like the couple years, uh, probably definitely since I've left, business schools have become much more aware of mental health issues in their student bodies. Um, And I would say at HBS and definitely for other schools that apply this method as well, it is really a very high pressure environment when you are sitting in a classroom of 90 people and you are supposed to raise your hand and, you know, express an opinion on something that you read the night before and yeah. about, um, and you're yeah. graded on what you say. There's someone in the back who's actually like writing down what you say. Um, oh. and there's a record of it for the teacher, you know, to, um, oh. the professor, excuse me, to be able to reference and use to help with your grading system. And there's, there's just a ton of pressure on that. And to Harvard's credit, and I think other business schools credits in recent years, they have come to understand that that really biases a certain type of candidate in yeah. particular, often it by, or not candidate, excuse me, student often what it actually does, it biases male candidates. Yeah, more more extroverted. Uh, uh, I keep saying candidates, guys. I must just be an yeah, it's okay. I'm hiring you know, for my you know, team, male you know. students um, <laughs> who are extroverted and unafraid to kind of raise their hands, and so mm. they have done. You know, they have tried to move towards a world where professors will call people out if they haven't spoken, which, by the way, only makes things scarier for what it's worth. Yeah, um, but also more heavily weighting your grade toward testing, which is where they see introverts, um, and women as well performing better. Mm, wow. So interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. This is so a great, interesting. Yeah. A yeah. great look. Thank you. Of kind of like what it looks like in school. Right. So now here's like the big question I'm sitting here. I don't have an MBA. I've been told, Oh, maybe you should get one Liz. I've also been told your experience trumps it. You don't need one. So 
curious what, here's what I'm big curious about. As you enter the corporate life after grad school, do you feel like, let's kind of start with, did you feel like after having for you kind of needing a little bit more, a little bit either direction or what do I want to do? And I kind of feel like maybe I need this MBA and I want it going into corporate world. Did you feel like it grad school did help you? It's a great question. And I think the answer that I'll give is, is, is a bit nuanced and mm-hmm. I do think it helped me, but I think that, and I know we'll get into this, but you know, how much going to grad school helps you is a lot dependent on what your experience was before. And Ah. so if you were in a completely different career, let's say you were an engineer, um, it's probably critical that you go to business school if you actually want to get into a business career. Um, Whereas for someone who looked like me, who had a decent decent amount of business experience. I had four years. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really, it wasn't, wasn't really. It's but Danielle, to say that now. you're a little wizard. Um, so, well, Liz, it's just funny for me to look back and be like, I, I thought I was so experienced. Um, uh, but for someone like me who comes from a business background, I think what, what ends up helping in the corporate world is a lot more, um, it's just a lot softer and a lot like, you know, less easy to define. I, And just for context, I was really lucky when I worked at LinkedIn before school, I worked with this incredible group of people again, which kind of inspired me to think Mm. about pursuing my MBA. I have worked for leaders that I worked with at LinkedIn at every single job since business school. Um, Uh. Like my boss has always been someone, um, you know, from that experience. So I'm an, I'm a very blessed in that way, but that also means that um, my, it, it was less that what I took from business school was kind of hard skills. I was more or less a already on the path that I ended up staying on. Um, it was less hard skills and more soft skills. And one thing I would mm-hmm. say um, to go back to the question on pressure um, that I do believe business school helped me with is in the in the first year, HBS, as I mentioned, is pretty intense. They just overwhelm mm-hmm. you. Um, mm-hmm. You have tons of cases to read. You have tons of work to do. Um, And essentially, you know, in the first year, you're like, oh, my God, I have to read everything. I have to stay on top of all of this. And you're just exhausted and petrified. Yeah. But what they're actually trying to teach you is Mm. how to pick through Uh, a ton of information and realize what matters. And so that, to me is one of like the greatest um, learnings as a leader. And when you're a leader, and I think both of you know this very well, you are inundated with information yeah. and things that people want you to look at. And you, one the most critical skill, I think, of a, of a good leader mm. is trying to figure out like distinguished signal from noise. What matters? Yeah. What do I need to pay attention to? How can I, you know, engage at a I'm making this up, but like an 80% level on a bunch of topics versus 100% on two. Um, yeah. And so that was definitely a skill I took from um, from business school. That's interesting. Yeah. And we kind of talk about feels, that. Yeah, that feels like a really powerful one and very applicable to the actual day-to-day transition into your corporate experience. And then again, your leadership experience, which I know your scope and responsibility has, has grown and increased. And that means the ability to separate that noise and signal just becomes more requisite in order to be successful and frankly, not completely burn yourself out. 100%. Absolutely. And also how to be a good leader to the people under you. You know, you're not a great leader if you are getting into the details and nitty gritty on everything that's happening. You know, right. I, you also need to teach them to have that skill. Where do they need to apply an 80% lens? Um, 
Yes. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And Dan, one last question about um, kind of going after grad school into the corporate world. I hear yeah. a lot about, especially at a Harvard, a Stanford, um, a London business school, I think is another large one. Um, I hear a lot about the connections are like one of the most important things getting your MBA. Do you feel that you, it sounds like LinkedIn, actually, your first job is what has been an amazing connection for you. But do you feel like HBS has helped you or will continue to propel you? Yes, the experience and having that degree, but what about connections from there? It's such a good question. And it's something that I think actually, like to an extent, almost gets demonized. It's kind of like, oh, you're going there to build your network. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to say that there are people who, there are absolutely people there who do do that, who are kind of just looking for that, like, surface level, oh, I know you and I can call you, you know, in 10 years. Um, I think both of you know me and know that is like antithetical to how I live my life and kind of makes me want to vomit if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I, but what I think is actually much more genuine about it and are the connections that are valuable are you're living in a new place in a really intense environment for two years. And when I say intense, I mean, it's academically intense, but then it's also like socially intense. You know, you're usually 26, 27, 28 years old. You've uprooted your whole life. You're meeting a ton of new people. You're in this whole crazy experience. You make like genuine friendships. And so Mm, it's the genuine friendships and connections that matter. Um, and I think what what that ends up giving you is just people who are engaged in and thinking about their careers in the same way as you are. Um, and you can genuinely call them on a Saturday morning because they're one of your best friends and be like, I'm struggling with this thing. Like, what do you think yeah. about it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an incredibly valuable sounding board, sure, connection, but really just like a friend who's thinking like you are. Um, and, a, and a great example for me, and you actually both know this person, but one of my best friends from business school, um, I brought him to the company we went to after business school and then also to Glassdoor. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, he is someone who, and it was funny because we didn't work, we worked on things that were like related, but slightly different. And in both of those experiences, like one of my closest friends was going through a lot of the experience of these, you know, different companies with me and was just the world's most incredible sounding board. I could be really honest in a way that I don't normally get to be. Um, and you know, I just value, I value that so much. And I love to hear that because as I've stepped into a new role and exited Glassdoor, I can't tell you how much I have reached out in just a few weeks of people from Glassdoor and have supported and helped and asked questions to even here on the podcast, we've had Danielle. It's wonderful because like we love you and also to have you on here and sharing information like the network I can say of my time at Glassdoor is incredible, but it's great to hear that you built and I think it's genuine. And I love that at Harvard, you know, I love that you kind of say there's this rap of like, yo, HBS, HBS, but it is more like we went through some like really hard times together and really built some great relationships and um, like minded in the right ways, I think. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. And I would say the distinction between, I mean, obviously, like you end up making it when with through your colleagues, you can make real connections and real friends with business school. You're just like, you're young and you're actually like living with these people, right? You're like all living on this campus environment. It's like a great mix of the kind of bonds you get with college friends, um, but people who are, you know, on a similar path to you. Yes. Yeah. 
Gosh, I, I just am finding this so interesting. And Danielle, it's even as well as we've known each other and worked together for many years, I don't think I've actually ever heard this like verbatim journey. For yeah. you. So just thank you for being here and taking us through it. So, okay. The verdict, um, you know, the question, I think we just want to, want to test you on here a little bit. Of, dun, of dun, you dun. can be, dun, dun, dun. You, you can be non-committal or, you know, as, PR um, it, whatever. Yes. Yeah. We want the real stuff, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not capable of PR, Liz. I know, no, I, I know, I know. That's why we love you. Yeah. I, I think the question is, do you feel the MBA is worth it? And, and maybe it's, has it been worth it for you? And, you know, you could also say generally, do you think it's worth it for anyone listening who's considering it? This is truly the million dollar question. Um, so, and, and, it, and it's funny for me to reflect on this question because I, now I'm in a position, you know, where I have, I lead big teams and there are lots of people on my teams who ask me, should I go get an MBA? What should I do? Yeah. Um, the real answer, and I and I hate to be this person. You guys know this. I'm, I'm a strategist by trade, so you need to tell people what you believe about things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real answer is it, it majorly depends. Yeah. <laughs> by the yeah. way, if I put that in a presentation, you should know something is wrong. That's not how I think about things. But this one, it, it, it is true. Um, and yeah. I, and so I would say here, the, if I if I walk through the the why I say it depends. If you are someone who is coming from a background that is totally not a business, again, engineering is a great example of this, Mm -hmm. um, or you're coming from the military, for example, and you want to get into a business career, absolutely do it. Okay. Get an MBA. Um, The reason that I say that is it's so important that you're actually demonstrating to future employers, like, I care enough about making this switch that I spent two years studying it. Got it. Yeah. It's almost less even what you're going to get from those two years. You will get a lot from those two years, but you're saying, I'm not someone who, you know, just thinks I should be able to make a career transition without pausing and taking some time to reflect and learn. Right. So, Mm. um, if you're coming from something that is non-business, absolutely a hundred percent do it. Um, I think though, if you are someone who is coming from more of a business background, the answer is more nuanced because really you don't have to. Mm. An MBA, it's not like a law degree where you can't be a lawyer unless yeah. you have a law yes. degree or you can't be a doctor unless you know you have a medical degree. It doesn't work that way. Um, and so the question is, one, do you think it would be really beneficial to you in, you know, some financial or tangible way? Like, let's say um, you've only really worked at like small regional companies and you want to get into a bigger kind of global environment. Mm. It could be really beneficial to go get an MBA. Um but I think the question that you're going to find a lot of people and probably a lot of listeners to this podcast would be asking is, I've had a pretty good career in business thus far. Like, do I need to go? Yeah. And that is where um, my answer might get a little bit spicy. <laughs> so, mm, but we love spice here on this saucy great. sauce. <laughs> great. You know, it's just, it's not like I need to go get an MBA in order to continue in this career, even on the trajectory that I've been on. I certainly fell into that category. You know, I've been working for the same people all the way through. Yeah. Um, however, if you want to take that two-year pause where you're going to get that chance to step back and be more intentional about your career choices and who you are, want to be as a leader and what you want out of your career, 
absolutely, it is so valuable. Um, the, in that case, though, is where I would say not any business school is worth it. Mm. There are a lot of scam business schools out there in general. All three yeah. categories of people should avoid the scammy business schools. Um, but in that last category where you don't really need it, that is where you do want to think critically about going to a top school because the, the it's just that they're so expensive that financially yeah. you want to see some kind of payoff, some kind of lift. And you have to remember that everybody, again, no matter how where you went into business school at, if you had two years or four years experience, if you were making 50K or 100K, you get reset as this new MBA when you graduate. Um, mm. And so it's not to say that there's like immediate financial payoff, it's more that long-term. Like I probably still haven't seen it yet, you know, but like in 20 years, I believe it'll come my way. I think that truly that answer was incredibly helpful because while you're saying it depends, it wasn't dodging the answer. You talk about the very different groups of people and the goals that you have, which would impact whether or not it's the right choice for you. So I I thought that was very valuable. Very good. Good perspective. Great. I'm so glad. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I know we only have a few more minutes, so I want to be mindful of your time, Danielle. I think we're going to do a quick little lightning round. Lizzie, you want to kick us off? Oh boy, so a good I'm old ready. lightning round. We all love it. So these are quick kind of lightning <laughs> one to two line answers. Okay. Um, okay. So let's kick off. Maul and I can rotate through, but question number one mentorship. You've, you sounds like you've got some great ones that you've stuck with over the years from LinkedIn. And do you have in one sentence, how do you, how do our listeners get a mentor? That is, uh, well, okay. Let me take a step back and say, how do you get a mentor? Um, I think it is super important that you come about a mentor in an authentic way. You guys are going to hear me say authentic over and over again. This is just Mm -hmm. to put it on my forehead, um, these days, but it's something I, I have seen people do is believe I need a mentor. I need a mentor. And so they just try and figure out, okay, who's someone out there who I admire their career and I want to like go after and ask them to mentor me. It's, it's not that that is a bad way to go about it. It's just that you're kind of missing the authenticity of connection with that person that is going to enable that mentor relationship to continue over time. And so I would say one of the best ways to get a mentor is like to work with someone that you think is awesome and ask them to mentor mm-hmm. you or come about it kind cool. of naturally. So I think all three of us probably have the same mentor yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. who will remain unnamed and I'm yeah. assuming will come on this podcast soon. Um, we hope hope so. Indeed. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. You should make, make, make the play for sure. We're going to drink wine on that one. Maybe Martin. Yeah. Knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Say. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that that'll be the most sober podcast in the world. Um, right. But exactly. But that's one way. And then I think another way and something I do with my teams is I just tell them, I want all of you to have a mentor within the company at all times. And I will go and help set you up for that. But because it's someone else within the company, you have that chance of like building an authentic connection and hopeful that it can like last beyond that. But I'd say, don't be afraid to like go to your manager and say, Hey, who do you think I should work with? Or, you know, who do you think would be willing to mentor me? And people love it. I have a girl on my team right now. Gosh, I'm really not doing well with this lightning round. Yeah, we got to like so many thoughts (laughs) on this. Okay. All right. Move me on. Okay. Okay. How about favorite business book or podcast? 
ladies, I don't read business books. I don't listen. Okay. I don't read business books. I don't listen to business podcasts. No. Okay. Let me, uh, the, I, I do, I, I love this all day, every day. Yeah. And I'm a huge believer that like you want to turn off in your leisure time. Um, and so I'm a big, like politics junkie. My husband got me into ah. this. So I listen to a lot of like politics and news podcasts. Great. Um, I read a Which ton ones? of fiction. We love listening to meet the press on Sundays. Okay. Um, I love fan that. of political gab fest. Um, I, I, well, does the wall street journal podcast count as a business Absolutely. podcast? Like, theirs is actually just really awesome. It's less yeah, businessy and I just really interesting. I haven't leaned into that. Okay. I should oh, their podcast, the journal. Okay. And of course okay, the we're daily, like, like, how could I forget Michael Bobar? Everyone. The Liz, daily. Keep I was like, going. Yeah. Keep okay. Going. Keep going. Okay. Best business advice you've either, you've received and that you follow one line, two lines. Okay. One li- best business advice that I've received. Um, I think that best, best business advice. I mean, I said, this is partially what I said earlier, like, figure out what to focus on and, you know, from all distinguished signal from the noise, don't go deep on everything. That's so good. Um, you know, Smart. make it so that you're able to take in more information by only getting to a certain level of depth with everything you're doing. Yeah. I love, love that. that. That's really powerful. What about what's your secret sauce? Secret sauce. Um, so I would say the big thing that I have learned over the years and been trying to lean into is, and people have told me to do this, which is helpful, but learning to lean into and trust my gut. Someone mm. said to me once, your gut mm. is like, I think we all think, oh, it's just like a feeling. It's not. Mm. It's a collection of experiences that you've had that you can't really put words to. And so you don't want to be someone who shows up and is like, my gut says this, we're going to do it. Um, but learning to trust that your gut is teaching you something that you should pay attention to um, and leveraging that is a big deal. Love that. So good. Like a, like, gut. sounds like Blink from Malcolm Gladwell. If you need to talk about a business book, you know what I mean? I'm not so, reading that. I mean, I, I think I read part of it, Liz. And then I, <laughs> then I was like, I want to read about, you know, a woman in the depression riding on horseback. Hot, like, that, uh, that yes, was, that's a great Danielle's book, are, by the way. <laughs> you're all feminists and Danielle, we can have a whole podcast on feminine because you are, you are strong there. So, so we will, Danielle, you. it is, it just like makes me so happy to be here after we've oh. all worked together. And right now we all are in different spots in our careers and different places in our careers, but it's just so fun to come here and chat. And I echo exactly what Maul said. We've worked with you, but like I had a lot of these questions about getting an MBA and very thorough, very good stuff, Danielle. And just like, so happy to see you and like, so happy to hear this. And thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, yes. thanks for having me. It's so yeah. fun to see you guys. This is awesome. So and uh, bright and early you. for you, Dan. Yes, bright thank early. you. So yes. great okay, to well, see you, Danielle. Cool. Thanks for everything. And what we always tell our audience and signing off is be bold and always remember to eat dessert. Thank you for tuning in to the Sauce Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our personal anecdotes and biz tips and tricks we shared today. If you wouldn't mind subscribing and or following the podcast on any platform or leaving a one-line review of the podcast, it helps us out tremendously. Thank you, thank you. Molly and I would also like to state that everything stated on this podcast is our own opinions and it's not shared on the behalf of others or on our employers. Thank you.